Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. over these tales of the macabre. All of them are strange and frightening because you have joined me in a shadowy world. Here we encounter the abnormal. Sounds that go bump in the night. Experiences in ESP. Apparitions. All manner of the unexplained. I have a tale to share which begins innocently and then turns into terror. It begins in the year 1885. Ludwig Horace Holly. A student at Cambridge University is alone in his rooms at midnight. He closes his book and wearily leans back in his chair. Good heavens. I can't imagine anyone calling on me at this hour. Who is it? Vizzy. Open up. Uh, Give me a hand, Holly. Iron box. Here, let me have it. Wait a long time. What's in it? Proof of murder committed over 2,000 years ago. Our mystery story is an adaptation of She from the classic by H. Ryder Haggard, written especially for Mystery Theater by Roy Windsor. It stars Gordon Gould and Gordon Heath. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Contact. The 12-hour cold capsule. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Henry Ryder Haggard, the author, was a Victorian gentleman who once remarked to a friend that Treasure Island was not so very remarkable and accepted a bet that he could not write anything half so good. In six weeks, he had written King Solomon's Mines which became a worldwide bestseller. Shortly thereafter, he wrote She, again in six weeks. It is the story of she who must be obeyed, and it is through Horace Holly that we experience the terrifying adventure. I was 22 at the time, studying at Cambridge for a fellowship which I was certain of being awarded. The only friend I had was M. L. Vincey, who was about 30 and wealthy. And there he was at midnight in my rooms, leaning with his hands on a small table, looking very ill, his gaze fastened on a small, heavy iron box, which somehow he had carried through the quadrangle and up to my quarters. Uh, No. No, Brandy. I'm a dying man, Holly. Nonsense. Uh, it's, it's, It's the truth. Let me go for a doctor. No. No use. I haven't much time. Listen to me as you've never listened to anyone before. What do you know about me? You're rich. Came here to Cambridge to study years after most men have left. That you were married. And that you've been the best, indeed the only friend I ever had. Did you know that I have a son? No. I have. He is five years old. He cost me his mother's life. I have never seen him since. Holly, if you will accept the trust, 
I'm going to leave you the boy's sole guardian. What? Me? I've known for some time that I could not last. I've been searching for someone in whom to confide about the boy and this, this iron chest. But my dear Vicky... No, hear me out. My son, Leo, is the last descendant of one of the most ancient families on earth. His 65th lineal ancestor was an Egyptian priest of Greek origin named Calicrates, who was murdered in 339 B.C. Good Lord! 2,200 years ago? Yes. And you and Leo are direct descendants of his? Yes. Calicrates was a priest of Isis at the time of the fall of the pharaohs. He broke his vow of celibacy and fled Egypt with a royal princess. Her name was Amanatas. What's the significance of what you told me? You know Latin. What does the name Vinci suggest to you? Well, it could be a corruption of Vindex. Meaning? Avenger. <laughs> the, the Avenger of Calicrates. An Avenger who has waited for more than 2,000 years, Arnie. Oh, sorry to be dull-witted, but vengeance against whom? It is explained in the contents of the iron chest. You are not to open it. All I will tell you is that Calicrates and Amanatas fled from Egypt into the kingdom of a mighty queen. She fell in love with him. And murdered him? Why? Because he would not give up Amanatas. She escaped to Greece, where she bore a son, named, in Greek, the Avenger. Oh, good heavens, man, that was centuries ago. The mighty queen is still alive. Oh, that's impossible. I once thought so. But after attempting to find her kingdom in the heart of Central Africa, I'm convinced that she still lives. It is an impenetrable, undiscovered country. I failed to reach it. And the attempt broke my health. And this iron chest? When Leo is 25, he is to open it and to decide what to do about its contents. I see. You're skeptical, Holly. I am. Will you undertake this trust, Holly? To keep this iron chest? And when Leo is 25... Upon your death, yes. God willing, that won't be for you. God has willed it otherwise. I will be dead by morning. And the next morning, Vincy was dead. And I became the guardian of his five-year-old son. Leo was a delightful, golden-haired little boy. We got along from the first. I had my fellowship, and we moved out of my college to comfortable quarters nearby. I had employed a brown-faced young man named Job as nurse. And the intervening years were wonderful for all of us. Before we realized it, Leo was 25. And this is the momentous day, Uncle Holly. It's your birthday. That's momentous. I was thinking about the iron chest. That. You did bring it from London. Yes, with the keys. Ah. Shall we have Job in for the dramatic opening? Job? Yes, Master Leo. Come in here. We're about to open the iron chest. Oh, I've been looking forward to this occasion for years. <laughs> Uncle hasn't. He thinks it's all nonsense. Don't you? Not your history, Leo. 
It's remarkable to be able to trace your roots to a priest of Isis in the court of the last pharaoh. But a queen who was over 2,000 years old? Rubbish. You can understand my skepticism. Uh, the key? Oh. Yeah. There's a wooden box inside it. Ebony. And here, uh, among the fiber packing, is a letter addressed to you, Leo. That's a rolled-up parchment in there, Uncle. It's in Vince's handwriting. And it's a translation of the Greek writing on this pot shirt. This fragment of a broken earthen pot. And isn't that a scarabus? A scarab? It looks like a beetle. It's a gem cut to look like a beetle, which the ancient Egyptians regarded as a symbol of resurrection and immortality, Job. Ah. Hmm, the letter is from my father. The strange legend is on the pot shirt. He determined to investigate its truth. He sailed to the coast of Africa, some distance north of where the Zambezi River falls into the sea, and where there is a headland shaped like a man's head. He learned that far inland there are great mountains shaped like cups and surrounded by swamps. And it was there that he became ill and had to turn back. Um, can you read what's written on the portrait, Uncle? I'll try. Now I know why Vinci insisted that both of us learn Arabic. Mm -hmm. Does your father say anything about that fabled queen? Well, he says, here it is. I do not believe this is a fable. There is a spot where the vital forces of the world exist. If you find it, you would be ever young, defying time and evil. Translate what's on the portrait, Uncle. It's from Amenatis of the royal house of the pharaohs who fled with, yes, Calicrates, wandered for twelve moons on the shores of Libya. They found a headland shaped like a man's head, were captured by a wild tribe and taken to a hollow mountain to their queen, who led them to the pillar of fire. There she stepped into it and emerged unharmed and yet more beautiful. Why did she murder Calicrates? The queen invited him to step into the flames, but he would not. And Amanatus tells him to seek out that queen and slay her, bathe in the pure of fire, and learn the secret of life. I'm going to do it, Uncle. Leo, you can't be serious. You don't believe this nonsense. I have to find out, Uncle. I realize now that all my life has been pointed to this moment. I have all the money I need. I'm young and strong, a good hunter, and my name is Vincy. I must go, Uncle. Well, if you're going to chase this phantom, I, I, I just might go along for the shooting. Uh -huh. Always wanted to hunt big game, eh, Joe? Uh, it might be the death of me, sir, but if both you gentlemen are going, you'll, you'll want someone to look after you. And I'm not the man to desert you after serving you for 20 years. Oh, that's great, Job. Africa, swamps, magic, pillars of fire. Oh, not so great, sir. You must be mad. And so we left England for the coast of Africa and the Zambezi. We had transferred to a dhow, an Arab Latin-rigged ship with a long forward overhang and an open waist. And it was the latter that did her in. With the rising wind, we had boarded the specially built whaleboat which we had attached to the ship. The wind grew to a gale, and the storm drove our ship onto the breakers and destroyed it. We had cut free in the whaleboat, rescued the tiller man, Mohammed, from the wild seas, 
and managed to row to the basin of a narrow, quiet river. And then, at dawn... Ooh! Lord love me, it's a far cry from civilization. Do not trail hands in water, sir. Crocodile. I'd like to pot one, Uncle. Look! Blimey, if that isn't the king of beasts himself. What in the world? He's been speared. And look behind him. Our guns, Uncle. No, hold fire. Hundreds of natives armed with spears. They haven't attacked us, and perhaps they can lead us where we want to go. Oh, my gosh, Professor Ari. Later, Job. We come as friends. I say, we are friends. Come to the shore. Steer us there, Mohammed. They're as quiet as cats. Handsome men, tall, good features. Peace. Who are ye who come swimming on the water? Speak or you die. We are travelers and have come here by chance. You are white. Four sons ago, she who must be obeyed commanded that if white men come, do not slay them, but bring them to her. Mohammed, our boatman, comes with us. So be it. I am Bilali, chief of the Amahagar, of the kingdom of Kor. We serve she who must be obeyed. You will come ashore. You will not be harmed. My warriors will bring thy possessions. Uncle, you don't suppose that this she could be... I suppose nothing, my boy. We are captives, but we're unharmed, and we have our guns. They may not even know what they are. We must show no fear. You are my guests. You are protected by she. Do not incite my people. They might transgress. They have a ritual that is most unpleasant. And who, O oh Bilali, is she? <laughs> well, wilt learn soon enough. If it be her pleasure to see you in the flesh. carried to a vast cup of green, a green pasture at the bottom of a volcanic cone. The Anahagas lived in caves on its rim. Bilali set out to inform his queen about our arrival. The night he was expected to return, I grew worried. What's troubling you, Uncle? Mischief. Have your revolvers ready. I have my knife. I'm armed, sir. What mischief, Professor? Watch their ritual down below. Notice the pot. It's red hot. My guess is it's being prepared for someone. Look! Two men are holding Muhammad. And another is tying him up with a long noose. Allah! Help! Help me! Oh, Allah! They're bringing that white hot pot down on it. Oh, no! You hit one of the men, sir. And Muhammad is down, too. Run for it! They're coming for us! Fire at will! Those devils won't take me alive! Master Neal's been hit with a spear! He's injured bad, Professor. Follow me. Save your last bullet, Job. I'm saving mine. I won't be taken alive. A small iron chest containing a father's legacy. A tale of revenge for the murder of Calicrates, dead over 2,000 years and a young descendant who is determined to slay the queen who murdered his ancestors. These are the elements in this story of She by H. Ryder Haggard. 
a 19th century writer whose remarkable imagination created this incredible adventure. When I return with Act Two, we will learn who has survived the attack by the Amahaga tribe. Our small party is far upstream and many miles inland in a hidden country shaped like a huge cup, the base of an extinct volcano. Above and lining the green fields are caves dug deep into the mountainsides. This is the kingdom of Kor. Horace Holly continues his narration. Job and I had no doubt that we were dead men when, as suddenly as the attack had begun, it ended because Bilali, the chief, returned from his mission to she. Ye shall be punished. She who must be obeyed commanded that these strangers be unharmed and brought to her. At dawn we march to her palace. There your punishment will be made known to you. It was a march of several days before we entered the cave city of Kor. Job, Leo, and I were settled into a huge vault. Leo was feverish from his spear wound, and a woman named Eustine attended him. Uh, sir. Yes, Job. I can't get it through my head, sir, about the woman. You mean the day before your attack? Uh, this woman, Eustine, came up to Leo and embraced him, and he kissed her. Aye. Uh, according to custom, they are now married. <laughs> Heathen custom. But I don't like any part of it, sir. Or for that matter, these natives and, and these caved dwellers. It makes me feel like I'm in a tomb. <sighs> Uncle Holly? Yes, my boy. Where are we, Uncle? In the city of Kor. He still has fever. I shall make him well. Eustine's oh, been very good to me. You are my husband. If I cannot make you well, I shall plead with she who must be obeyed. And you will be safe. <laughs> More magic. Who is she, Eustine? Our mighty queen. What is she like? Oh, no one knows. No one has ever seen her? Nay. But she does exist. Aye. She has ruled Kor for thousands of years. Holly, it's the same woman who... Yes, but we won't talk about it. We are merely travelers, hunters. If they knew the reason for our visit, we'd be dead in minutes. Eustine. Eh? Everyone in Kor lives in these caves. I and the dead live on with us. The dead live on with us. Preserved forever. As mummies? In their natural state, oh stranger. How is it possible to preserve... Oh, only she knows. She is all-powerful. I bring good news, Sir Harry. She who must be obeyed will see you now. Bilali led me to a huge antechamber, about 40 by 40 feet. At the far end of this great room was a curtained doorway. Two women pulled the curtains aside, and Bilali went down on his hands and knees. Down, Sir Harry, down. We enter the presence of she. I halted, afraid, but I remained standing. And then she came through the door covered from head to toe with a filmy kind of cloth. I stared at the figure. Even though clothed, I could tell that she was an unbelievably beautiful young woman. 
Why art thou so frightened, stranger? Is there that about me that should affright a man? It is thy beauty that makes me fear, O queen. I see that men still know how to beguile women with false words. How do they call you in thine own country, stranger? They call me Holly, O queen. And I am Asia. Follow me. It was a small room, ten by twelve, with a couch and a table. The air was perfumed. At the end of the couch stood a font with water in it. She motioned me to the couch and she sat close to me. As yet ye have no cause to fear me. How comest thou speak Arabic, my own dear tongue? I have studied it. It is a language still spoken in Egypt. There is still in Egypt? What pharaoh sits upon the throne? Well, the Persians have gone from Egypt and the Romans. And Greece. I love the Greeks. Yes, there is a Greece. And the Hebrews? Uh, they are broken and scattered. I am bewildered, O queen. Thou speakest about thousands of years ago. Thou art a woman, not a spirit. How can a woman live thousands of years? Why dost thou fool me? Dost thou wonder how I knew you were coming and saved your heads from the hot pot? I, O queen. Gaze upon the water in that font. I, I see. Leo, Job, myself, Mohammed, in the whaleboat on that, that narrow river. It, it's magic. Not magic, stranger, but a knowledge of the secrets of nature. But tell me about this youth, Leo. He is uh, very sick. Uh, canst thou do nothing for him? Is he perchance thy son? My adopted son. Of a surety I can cure him. Who nurses him? My manservant, Job. And a woman who embraced him and had stayed with him because I understand it is a fashion of thy people. Her name is Eustine. Hast thou aught to ask me before you go, O Holly? One thing, O Asia. I would gaze upon thy face. Behold... I gazed at her face and shrank back, blinded and amazed. I cannot describe, no man could, her great changing eyes of deepest, softest black, her delicate straight features. Even more, her beauty lay in a visible, majestic grace. Man! Where didst thou get that scarab on thy hand? I... I picked it up, O Queen. It is very strange. Once I knew a scarab like that, it hung round the neck of the one I loved. Go. Go now. Later I shall attend to your sick Leo. Go. What's the Queen like, Uncle? Terrifying. It must be a hoax. I cannot have been talking with a woman over 2,000 years old. She cannot be mortal. And the scarab, she recognized it, Leo. It hung from the neck of the only man she has ever loved. Calicrates. Yes, then the legend ain't a legend, but the truth. Unless I'm mad. 
We're in a pickle, ain't we, Professor? Without doubt, Job. I can't see our way out of this hideous place. We could never find our way back to the whaleboat. You think, sir, that her seeing the scarab is done as him? Worse than that. I don't get you, sir. That scarab hung round the neck of Calicrates in 339 B.C. It is 2,100 years old. It holds our fate. And Leo's. Is someone coming, sir? Oh, look. A woman veiled from head to foot. <laughs> A walking corpse. It's she. Asia. That's her name. I have recovered now, oh, Holly. Where is this Leo of yours? And this woman? Is she, Eustine? Bid her leave us. Uh, Eustine is not willing to leave, Leo. It is surely the right of a wife to be near her husband when he dies. Go! This Leo has a noble. Thou dog, why didst thou hide this from me? What? What? Perchance thou didst not know. There lies my lost Calipratis. He has come back to me at last. I knew he would. Unless thou art able to help him, Isia, he will die. Oh, I did I not come before. He'll take this vial and pour its liquid down his throat. It will cure him. Swift now. Swift. I forced the liquid down Leo's throat. He gave a convulsive shudder and began to breathe more easily. As I watched Leo restored to life, my thoughts were very black indeed. Isha had waited centuries for this moment. The return of Calicrates. She was unlikely to give up. We were doomed. We would end our days in the hideous kingdom of Kor. A day later... You told me, Harley, that this woman, Eustine, is married to Leo? That, I am told, is the custom of the embrace and its return, Monsieur. Then she must die. What? For what crime? She stands between me and my beloved. But she is innocent of any wrongdoing. Call her to me. Is my lord dead? No, he lives, Eustine. She hath saved him. Thou hast done evil in taking this man who is a stranger. I spare thee because thou didst this thing through ignorance. Go back to thy village. If thou breakest this, my law... That moment thou diest. Go! That night, we were moved to the Queen's quarters. Leo recovered rapidly, but he still was weak from the fever. Job and I were with him, and so was Asia when he awoke from a deep sleep. Greeting to thee, my young stranger lord. Had I not saved thee, thou wouldst never have stood on thy feet again. But the danger is done, and it shall be my care that it doth return no more. Thank you. You are she who must be obeyed? Yes. My name is Asia. Tomorrow all will be explained to thee. For now, my stranger lord, farewell. What happened to Eustine, Uncle Holly? I, I am forbidden to say. Forbidden? By whom? That madwoman dressed like a mummy? I intend to find out what happened to you, Steen. If you persist, Leo, you may be the death of her. What? Why? We may find out later, my boy. She's high priestess here, Mr. Leo, and the Lord High Executioner. Job's right, Leo. 
Let's not anticipate what might happen. If we anger Isia, or if she knows why we have come to this savage place, our lives are forfeit. But your stage is gone. It does you credit to be concerned about her. I have a right, a duty, in fact, to find her. Or to have her disappearance explained. Not in defiance of Asia. She who must be obeyed. You now believe in what we read on the potsherd. I do. Impossible as it is. This woman has lived thousands of years. She is all-powerful. With a toss of her arm, she can kill. Contain your concern. We must be careful, or we will never escape from Kor. Who is to say that this marvelous adventure contains no truth whatsoever? The world, even as we know it, contains remote, hidden places where life exists apart from our civilization. Much of Africa still is shrouded in mystery. Back in 1885, the mystery was even darker. What happens next to Holly, Leo, and Job will be revealed shortly when I return with Act Three. first was recorded, there have been many civilizations, many about which we know nothing. Even today we read about unknown cultures and customs. Early Ethiopian man, for example, who dates back three million years. Who then can dismiss the possibility of the cave city of Kor, where Horace Holly, Leo Vinci, and Job are the uneasy guests of Asia, she who must be obeyed? Holly continues his narration. Justine, in defiance of Asia's banishment, visited us to see Leo. The visit was foreseen by Asia, who appeared, stood very erect, stretched out her arm, and Justine gave a piercing scream and fell down dead. Leo sprang at Asia, but she put out her hand and he fell back. Forgive me, my friend, if I have shocked you with justice. Forgive thee, thou fiend! By heaven, I will kill thee if I can. Thou dost not understand. Thou art my love, my caliquities. For two thousand years have I waited for thee, and now at last thou hast come back to me. It is a lie. My name is not Caliquities. I am Leo Vinci. You have been reborn and art mine, my own dear lord. I had sooner be lord of a fiend from hell, for she would be better than thou art. Yet... Within a very short time, thou wilt creep to my knee and say that thou dost love me. Let us put it to the proof. Oh, she's taken off that shroud, sir. Heaven help us. Great heaven. Art thou a woman? And thine own, Callicrates. But... But thou art a murderer. It is not. Oh, come... Come to me. She was irresistible. Leo was hypnotized by her striking beauty as I had been, and he declared his love for her. I knew then that we had lost any chance of returning to England and home. Asia then led us to a tomb where, to our amazement, the man who had been Callicrates lay perfectly preserved. He and Leo looked exactly alike. She kissed the forehead of the corpse, sprinkled some white powder on him, 
and he disintegrated into dust. It was horrifying. Prepare thee for a great adventure. We go to the Temple of Truth. To reach it, we climb a mountain, descend, and cross a bottomless volcano where the winds howl until we reach the cave that contains the spirit of life. And there, O Callicrates, thou shalt bathe in the pillar of fire and live with me eternally. The Lord preserve me, sir. I can't even imagine what I'm seeing. A wall of fire roaring through the end of the cave like a forest being swept flat by a mighty wind. I, I can't stand to watch it come by again. Look, Job. The queen's disrobing. Oh, what a magnificent woman. She looks divine. Calipity, do thou likewise. Together we shall bathe in the pillar of fire. I... Asia, I cannot. I fear its flames. Tell me, my Calipides, if thou seest me stand in the flame and come forth unharmed, wilt thou also enter it? Yes. Even if it slay me, I will enter now. And that will I also. <laughs> what, Harley? I thought thou cared not for length of days. I do now. I desire to taste of the flame and live. Oh, See now, I will, for the second time, bathe in this living bath. This is horrifying. The flame is approaching her. The beauty is indescribable, Uncle. Ah! Look! Look! He's struggling up! She is dying! Leo! that Job had died from the shock. The problem now was how to escape. She had left Bilali and his guards at the base of the mountain. After many hours of groping in the dark, we reached the edge of the gorge. What if Bilali and the guards have left? All in good time. If they've gone, we are done for. Only the Amahaga tribe know how to find their way through the swamps to the river. They're still there, Uncle. Stop a minute, Leo. What is it? Our predicament. Can we lie to Bilali about the truth? He is fond of you, Uncle. Tell him the truth and take our chances. I agree. If we don't tell him the truth, he will wonder about she and Job. Yes, I'll, I'll confide in him. She who must be obeyed is dead. Even in death, Leo. I know. Even dead, I could love no other woman. Welcome, O Holly. Thou hast been in the mountain a long time and look haggard. And the lion, the man thou callest Leo, his mane was the color of corn and now is white like snow. We have had an 
Awful adventure. And she who must be obeyed? Dead. And Job, too. Dead? Impossible. She who never dies? Dead? How can it be? In good time, Bilali. But if this is true, then thy danger is very great. The Amahagar, my children, hate thee as strangers. Can we escape from this country? It is very difficult. By way of Kaur, he cannot pass. But there is a way over the cliff where they drive the cattle for pasture. Beyond are three days through the marshes and then seven days to the river. By dawn tomorrow and through the marshes beyond, this I will do. I will say it is the word of sea. And beyond the marshes? You must strike out with your own hands. And it is seven days to the river? Through the jungle. Can we survive? With courage and good fortune, perhaps. Leo? It's our only chance. I'm glad to see the last of the Amahaga child. If we should get home, no one would believe what we've experienced. And if is a big word. We have our guns and express rifles and a compass. And ammunition, about 200 rounds. We can give a good accounting of ourselves. We head west? Yes, we must strike out to the Zambezi and hope we make it. There we might be picked up. Poor Job. Yes, poor old beggar. If we reach home, we must have a service performed for him. God rest his soul. Well, let's set out here. I'll lead. Carry a gun at the ready. Remember, we're the hunted. I will not trouble you with our struggle to survive, but survive we did. Miraculously. We reached the Zambezi, 170 miles away, and turned southward. At last, we escaped and reached Delgoa Bay. Eighteen months after we had emerged from the marshes of Kaur, we caught one of the steamboats that round the Cape to England and at last sighted Southampton. Back again in our rooms. No one will believe your history of she who must be obeyed, Uncle. We know it to be true, Leo. And of course, we still have the iron chest and the writing on the potsherd. I have wondered something, Leo, for a very long time. What? Is it possible that you are really the reincarnation of Caliquities? Or was Isha deceived by some strange hereditary resemblance? I don't know. She has had her revenge, of course. Has she? That assumes that she is dead. We saw her disintegrate, Leo. So we did. But somehow... Well, it sounds foolish before I say it, Uncle. What are you thinking? Caliquities married the royal princess Amanatas. But was he really destined for Asia? And I am somewhere, somehow, to meet Asia again? Asia reborn, as I was reborn as Leo Vinci, who is also Caliquities? You do believe that you are Caliquities reborn? I do. So do I. After what we went through, I cannot settle back into life in Cambridge. Then, 
After I finish the history of our adventure, we'll close up and leave. I suggest Tibet. And that is what we are about to do. If Leo and I return from our wanderings into Tibet, I will record them for you. The world is still filled with the undiscovered and the miraculous. For now, goodbye and bless you. And there is Horace Holly's account of a search with Leo Vinci to find the woman who murdered his ancestor, Callicrates, in the year 339 B.C., and who herself perished in 1885 in the pillar of fire. Holly and Leo were never heard from again. They did leave England for the interior of Tibet and vanished. I'll be back shortly. Leo Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule, and Buick Motor Division. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. W.O.R. Mystery Theater was also brought to you in part by ShopRite Supermarkets, where you get a lot more for a little less. The preceding program was furnished by CBS Radio.